0: And so yeah. that's the problem that I wanted us to address today. Like the family trauma that goes on that's not talked about. And so it's this unspoken thing that's, that's um, weighing on people. So people have to walk on eggshells when they go around their family members.
1: Cortisol levels all over the place. All over all the place. All Thanksgiving.
0: Just heightened. All Thanksgiving. And it becomes awkward.
1: Yeah. And then
0: it's, it's times where, and I know specifically in my own family, there's times when people just don't show up. You know, they don't come because either the fact that they have to walk on eggshells or they know like maybe they feel like they don't measure up or something Mm -hmm. or somebody is triggered. They know they're going to be triggered. They don't want to be triggered. Something is going to trigger them within the family. And instead of speaking about it, they just don't want to show up.
1: Avoidance. Yeah, that's that's one way to deal with it is avoidance a lot of people but it's not
0: is it dealing with it though it's not dealing with it because now the cycle is going to continue there's going to be another year right there's going to be another Thanksgiving there's going to be another Christmas where this still this thing is still in the air right that's not dealt with and so that's why I wanted us to come on and talk about healing before you holiday making sure that you find ways to begin the healing process specifically with family members and you have to start that by conversations because you can't heal what you won't recognize Welcome to Through the Eyes of Trauma, an Inner Ear Agency production, where we engage in discussions regarding the impact that childhood trauma has on education, life, and living. This podcast seeks to help listeners realize the widespread impact of trauma, recognize how it is impacting the students, adults, and families, respond in a way that facilitates healing, and to actively resist re-traumatization. Join us as we tackle the hard conversations, but give tools and strategies to help you cope and begin your journey towards regulation by healing first and educating always. To receive professional development, consulting, and childhood trauma intervention services, please visit us at innerairagency.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-E-A-R-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. Let's get into the conversation. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Through the Eyes of Trauma with me, Dr. Smith. In this episode, we'll delve into the importance of healing before attempting to spend time with the family during the holidays. Our title for today is Heal Before You Holiday. Navigating Intergenerational Trauma During This Season. And my special guest today is Derek Smith, who is the co-host of Man Talk Mondays, but also my partner in this thing called Life. And I wanted him to come on with me just so we can talk about not only intergenerational trauma, but the intergenerational trauma that shows up specifically during the holidays when families get together or, you know, when you're around your loved ones and conversations need to be had or um, conversations are had that's going on during the holiday season and that causes a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, and different things in the families. And so welcome, Derek Smith, as we get into this conversation.
1: Thank you for having me, Dr. Smith. It's a pleasure to be on with you once again.
0: Thanks for coming. So... Today, we're going to first delve into understanding intergenerational trauma, and I want to talk specifically about a book I read that was titled, It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wolin. And in his book, he shows how the traumas of our parents, of our grandparents, and even our great-grandparents can live in our unexplained depression, our anxiety, fears, phobias, and then those obsessive thoughts and physical symptoms, which are what scientists are now calling secondary PTSD. Wow.
1: Secondary PTSD. Meaning you don't have to experience it yourself. Absolutely. Kind of like secondhand smoke. Absolutely. Oh, wow. With just as bad
0: of effects as secondhand smoke. Right. And then he stated that when a trauma happens, it changes not only us, but sometimes it changes our family line, our bloodline for generations. So that grief, the suffering, the distress doesn't always end with us. The feelings and sensations that we carry around in our bodies, specifically the stress responses and the way our genes express those stress responses can pass forward to our children, our grandchildren, even affecting them in a similar way that we were affected or that our grandparents were affected, even though they didn't personally experience our trauma or the grandparents' trauma.
1: So does it just come from, does it come from observation, you're observing your parents cuz I, I think about the story of Zig Ziglar and his wife mm-hmm. and he said whenever he'd bring a ham home his wife would chop off the end before she cooked it and he started asking and said why did you why do you always chop the end off the ham before you cook it she said I don't know my mom did it mm-hmm. and so she called her mom and said mom I I, I chop off the end of my ham I don't know why I did it, but I got it from you. So why do you do it? She said, I don't know. My mom did it. So Mm. they called the grandmother. And the grandmother, they said, well, mom, why did you chop off the end of your hand? Because we do it. I chop off the end of mine and my daughter chops off the end of hers. She says, well, I don't know why y'all did it, but I did it because my pen was too short. Mm. (laughs) So just the observation of the mother watching the grandmother she started doing something without reason without understanding so i'm saying does this does this come through just observation or is it actually have they traced it to be a genetic thing that passes so down so
0: it comes <clears throat> a few ways so absolutely it could come from observing right being around this trauma that's happening or seeing or witnessing the trauma or even hearing about it so we talked last week about compassion fatigue or having that trauma because you under, you heard the story of somebody's trauma right mm-hmm. so it could come from that but also like it's documented research that epigenic research right that says that traumatic memories are transmitted through chemical changes in DNA And so there is neuroscience to back this up. There are chemical changes that happen in your DNA. So when you are an egg in your mom's womb, Right, And when your mom was an egg in in her mom's womb Whatever trauma that she experienced That her DNA was was receiving And whatever her body was receiving During the trauma and during the stress Your body is now transferring that To your children And to your children's children And so unless the healing begins And the cycle is broken Then this intergenerational trauma Becomes a cycle that continues on Through generations
1: So The cortisol levels that Absolutely. Are generated whenever somebody becomes that comes under stress. So if a woman is pregnant, that cortisol can be passed to the child. Absolutely. Oh wow.
0: And that's why we see babies who come here stressed and they're they're shaking. I just recently saw a video on social media of a chiropractor who was showing this baby who was just wiggly, 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 and he said his body is under stress. So I have to calm his vagus nerve, which if you understand like neuroscience and all of those things. The vagus nerve is where you're able to house, like, either you're on 10, you're in fight or flight, or you're trying to calm. When you calm your vagus nerve, that means you're calming your body, right? Mm-hmm. You're calming your um, yeah. autonomic nervous system. And so he was able to use some technique to calm the baby's vagus nerve to get the baby out of stress. But imagine those parents who don't take their children and right. to, to seek those ways to to relieve stress that's housing the body and it becomes a cycle and another cycle but then they don't talk about it and so yeah. that's the problem that i wanted us to address today like the family trauma that goes on that's not talked about and so it's this unspoken thing that's, that's um, weighing on people so people have to walk on eggshells when they go around their family members
1: cortisol levels all over the place all, over the all place. thanksgiving
0: just heightened all thanksgiving and it becomes awkward yeah. And then it's it's times where, and I know specifically in my own family, there's time when people just don't show up. You know, they yeah. don't come because either the fact that they have to walk on eggshells or they know like maybe they feel like they don't measure up or something mm-hmm. or somebody is triggered. They know they're going to be triggered. They don't want to be triggered. Something is going to trigger them within the family. And instead of speaking about it, they just don't want to show up.
1: Avoidance. Yeah, that's that's one way to deal with it. Is avoidance. A lot of but people. But it's not that.
0: is it dealing with it though? It's not dealing with it because now the cycle is going to continue. There's gonna be another year, right? There's gonna be another Thanksgiving. There's gonna be another Christmas where this still this thing is still in the air. Right. That's not dealt with. And so that's why I wanted us to come on and talk about healing before you holiday, making sure that you find ways to begin the healing process, specifically with family members. And you have to start that by conversations because you can't heal yeah. what you won't recognize.
1: You know, I, I'm just imagining that meeting before Thanksgiving. You have a family meeting. Yes. Everybody get on Zoom or this conference call and you say, hey, we want to have a good time this Thanksgiving. We don't want the foolishness. So there are some things that we need to go ahead and get out the way. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, before we sit down and somebody, you know, let's cut it off at the past. I could just imagine people having a preemptive meeting Mm -hmm. with their family about thanksgiving but people don't do that like you said they go along as if nothing's wrong and everything is wrong and people are are sidestepping the issue people are tense worried if somebody's gonna say something to set something off and and that tension i mean it just robs you of The family time, it robs you of the experience that you're supposed to have Mm -hmm. of just sitting around family and enjoying them and being in a place where people love you, a a place of community to where even if you are going through something that you can be around people who can help you heal, but if if you feel like they're gonna be a source of hurt, then that's a bad situation to be in.
0: Absolutely. And so real quick, let's get into some data. 40% of women and 60% of men experience trauma on a daily basis, right, on a yearly basis. So I want to highlight the prevalence and impact that this trauma has on a person's family line, on their intergenerational, you know what I'm saying, bloodline. Think of all of the individuals that carry the effects of their family's trauma into their own lives. And so now you have 40 percent of women and and 60 percent of men showing up to Thanksgiving dinner, either healed or unhealed with uh, this unresolved trauma. So we need to get into the discussion of how do we take Um, care of this how do we start the healing before we get to a situation where we're presented with our family members and we're triggered or something happens and then there's a big blow-up and you know when there's big blow-ups especially in family gatherings and family settings it becomes this thing where now the family is broken or split because you Mm got to pick a side right you have Mm -hmm. to pick a side and then the family structure is no longer the way it used to be and i saw somewhere on a post where it says families don't get together because the people that, that kept the family together, we buried, buried them. So, grandma and grandpa. Now, the grandma and grandpa are not living. People are not going uh, that extra mile and making a, a special effort to get together and to, to heal those things that hurt within the family.
1: Well, let me quick sidebar quick sidebar, because I noticed you said 60% of men and 40% of women. So you say men experience more trauma than women is what you saying? And I just want to, I just want to make note of that real quick. And, uh, <laughs> and to the point, what you're saying, it seemed as though big mama or grandma kept the family together when they actually did is kept the family quiet because as soon as they're gone, the blow up happens. Because all of the stuff that was being kept under wraps because either out of respect for Big Mama or she threatened them and say, you better not say nothing I, about I them. now when they're gone. And this is, you know, typically starts at the funeral. Stuff just comes out and, it, you know, families really split. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
0: want to clarify real quick. It's 50% of women and 60% of men. I misspoke. So 50% of women and 50% of men experience trauma. That's report.
1: I guarantee the men a lot higher.
0: It's still higher.
1: Yeah, it's a lot higher because we don't report anything.
0: Yeah absolutely. yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Okay.
0: That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. Let's talk about that. Those unspoken traumas then, because I think that's where a lot of things, Um, a lot of problems and issues stem from because not only are things unspoken but when they're unspoken there's somebody in that situation that feels like they're not believed or they're not heard right and so when we get into like the strategies for healing family traumas the first thing that families have to do is have this open line of communication Mm -hmm. right which means you have to talk about you can't bury it like you said that grandma wants people to to do. You have to discuss the significance of open and honest communication within your family. And not only that, but understanding people's truths. Because what you think happened, what you may have experienced may not be what someone else experienced. Even growing Mm -hmm. up in the same family. And so you have to have this unwritten rule that we understand what you're saying or we try to understand what you're saying, but we also honor your truth. What you feel you experience. And then speak
1: from that. Now you talking about a master class that would shut down the internet. Period. Shut down the internet, everything. Social media, it would shut it all down. Mm-hmm. If you had a master class on how to get your family to talk.
0: Oh, I understand. Because
1: if you don't already have that air of we talk about things, to get to that point, especially Mm -hmm. because typically if if nobody talks about anything, that creates space or that creates the air or the darkness, I like to call it, where a whole lot of other things continue to happen and Mm -hmm. get worse. So by the time it's time to talk about it, things have gotten so bad that the level of embarrassment, the level of shame, Mm -hmm. the level of, you know, what are they gonna say if they know? Right. That has that gone to such a high level, to yeah, you couldn't have it without somebody there to facilitate, probably several people there to facilitate having that conversation
0: you have to right you have to engage in meaningful conversations to address past traumas and work towards healing and and doing it with a like what he said a family healing circle first of all letting everyone know this is all about healing so it's not about shaming and i understand saying that is easier you know than actually doing it but letting your family members know this is supposed to be a family healing circle where each member of our family can share their feelings and experiences without judgment. And my family, we tried that before. We've tried that several times, actually. And... It just becomes a thing where you have to be so dead set on verbalizing to the person. We're not shaming you. We're not trying to shame you. What we're trying to do is make sure that healing takes place. And then of course there's the shouting matches or the you don't understand or "or you don't believe or you know, that's not my mm-hmm. intent. That's not what I thought happened because people experience things in different ways. And that's what trauma is. Mm-hmm. Trauma is not an event, right? Mm-hmm. Trauma is how you experience an event. And that's what I tried to tell like just the different family circles that I've been in, because you don't think it was a big deal, that's because you didn't experience the same way that person experienced it. And Mm -hmm. so you have to understand and honor what they're telling you as their experience and figure out, okay, so that was not my intent, but how can we heal from this? I think that is the goal within open communication, verbalizing your truth, but also understanding someone else's truth and trying to figure out how can we get to a place of healing to where both people are beginning this healing process from things that we both experience, but just experienced in a different way.
1: I heard a guy recently, and I want to say he was, he was like a super spy mm-hmm. or something like that. And he was talking about, he used to argue with his dad, his dad would say, perception is reality. Mm-hmm. And we've heard that before. Perception is reality. And he kept telling us that that's not that's not true. Because perception isn't reality. Says so you don't understand reality until you get perspective. Mm-hmm. Perception is how you see it. But until you can see it how other people see it, you don't really get reality as to the event of what happened. All right. And a lot of times, because we don't talk, we never get perspective. We don't use words like, this is how it came across to me, or this is what I heard, or this is how I experienced it. Mm -hmm. We just go right in, this is what you did. Mm
0: -hmm. And not to the person. Yes. But to other, that is a big thing to me. I I am really, really, I don't say passionate, but it really frustrates me. When there are things that's going on within family. Right. And instead of going to the person that you feel offended by or the person who hurt your feelings or the person that, you know, whatever they said, whatever they did, it affected you in a negative way. You go to someone else, which perpetuates. Right. The the, not only the experience, but that's how lies get told. And so people lies get told and lies become bigger and lies become bigger and bigger. And then now it becomes a big situation to where you're not speaking to people and people are not Mm -hmm. speaking to other people all because of lies that perpetuated within the family. Right. Yeah. Over a simple misunderstanding when you could have easily went to that person in open communication Mm -hmm. and told them not only um, your perspective. Right. Right. But heard their perspective. And been able to come to an agreement, or not even an agreement, but an agreement to disagree, if you Mm -hmm. will, about the situation. But I think those people are the ones that are truly hurt. Like, what, from my experience, the ones who causes the biggest amounts of of mess and of drama that's stirred up in a family Mm -hmm. are the ones who are the most hurt, the ones who have experienced the most trauma, the ones who have experienced the most hurt that has not been healed, and so their defense mechanism is to drum up mess right because mess takes the the pressure off of what I've experienced and it takes Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying it takes the the flashlight off of what happened to me And puts it on the mess that I've drawn up. And instead of me starting to heal and starting to get through whatever the situation is. And that's what I don't understand. When you have been traumatized so much, especially in childhood or or even like in your developmental stages growing up, family is what you need.
1: Yeah. I remember a quote that says we hurt in isolation, but we heal in community. Absolutely. We heal in community. And so. I'm going I'm to preach. I'm not going to preach to you, but I got to tell you this. It's in the unspoken things that the devil does his best work. Yes. When we fail to communicate, we create more space for him to cause disruption because he isolates you in your thoughts. Mm hmm. Once you start thinking nobody's going to understand, don't nobody care what happened to me, Uh, and start getting these ideas that you don't matter and your perspective doesn't matter, and Mm your then now it quiets you, and now you start to hold, you know, start stop coming around, Mm -hmm. and and he corners you, and now he gets to put all kinds of thoughts in your head about how other people see you, but you've never talked to them. They may not even you may not even be on their mind, Mm -hmm. but this is how you're looking at it. But when we don't communicate, especially as family, as community, when we don't communicate, we create this air. To where interpretation Mm -hmm. is left up to the person rather than actually finding out what a person meant by something they said or something they did, Mm -hmm. because it could have been something simple, but we blew it out of proportion because we were perceiving it through our own hurts yes. through our own issues and sometimes you can get so messed up that you only see issues you only see problems yes. you only see people judging you you only see people criticizing you and that's not what they're doing but that's what you see and that's how you react
0: Yes, and, and for what I found is it genuinely comes out of place of love right and and care for the person but they only see it as as judgment, Right. Because there has not been an open line of communication for them to even be able to express that love and care in a way that they receive as love and care and not as, you know, pointing the finger at me and, and judging me. But along with that com- open communication that we have to have with our family members in order to be able to heal before we holiday, we also have to create safe spaces. Right. We have to explore the importance of creating safe environments within family gatherings. And and how do we do that? We discuss how we need to establish boundaries and safe places where people can and individuals can manage potential triggers. And if you know that you have some triggers in your family, let them know, listen, these are the things that trigger me. And so I want to be around you. I want us to, to be able to celebrate as a family. But even even if the person doesn't verbalize their triggers, mm-hmm. as family, when you build relationships with people, just like in a school setting, right? When when teachers build relationships with their students and things like that, you kinda understand their triggers. You, you've you pinpointed them because you see how they behave when something happens. If right. something happens, if someone is around, you see that that's a trigger for a person. And so if, if you build those relationships with family members, Sometimes they don't even have to tell you what their triggers are, but it's important for them to verbalize, right? To have an open communication and verbalize what their triggers are. And so when you have holiday events, making sure that you remove potential triggers so that the space is welcoming and the space is somewhere where people can gather and feel like they're in a safe space. And then families can set those clear boundaries and then communicate them in advance to the to thanksgiving right in advance to christmas and we're coming up on thanksgiving next week and so this mm-hmm. is a perfect time to be able to to let your family know what your boundaries are you know what your your safe space looks like and so what you need at the family gathering for you to feel like you're in a safe space where you're not triggered you know mm-hmm. where you feel like you're understood and you feel like you're in a place where your family members support you so that you can holiday with healing going on at the same t- same time you know
1: let me say this about about triggers real quick, because I hear that and it's getting to the point. I'm almost get irritated with how people act with triggers. Because in in a society where people are looking for excuses to justify their victimhood, triggers gives them that. But let me say this about triggers: you have to give people grace about triggers you haven't communicated. Yes. If you haven't communicated those triggers, you have to give people grace and just not react I remember in high school I had a a sports injury and I hurt my shoulder but I had a friend who always had a habit always had a habit he would come and he would he would put his hand on my shoulder kind of forcefully not to be mean but that was just kind of what he did and it never bothered me before until I hurt my shoulder and he would come and the first time he hit that shoulder I reacted and I was like, hey, man, hold up. He was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. But he had to habit it so much, he did it a couple of times before he caught himself because he was just so used to doing it. But if... I, if I never said anything like, hey man, my shoulder hurt, and he would have kept on repeatedly doing it. Right. You got to give people grace, especially if you haven't communicated what your triggers are. Yes. Because if people bump into that wound accidentally, you can't go off on them and then cuss them out or mm-hmm. do something worse to them because they bumped into a wound they didn't know you had because people accidentally bump into wounds when they don't know that they're there. And if you don't communicate up front hey I got this going on so you know just want to let everybody know kind of sensitive about it yeah it, it sounds crazy but you got to give people that space Absolutely. now if a person purposely takes that as an opportunity to dig into you or something like that like family can t- tend to do from time to time not to say you justified in going off but you you get a you get an idea of where you stand with them as far as their respect level, mm-hmm. and then recommunicate it again. Say, "Hey, no, no, I understand you. you being funny, but I'm I'm serious. This is really a problem for yeah. me."
0: Yeah, like de- designating those topics and things that you, you feel are off limits to. To avoid the conflict right are those things that you're like listen let's not talk about this let's not do this at, at um holiday are our holiday events because that's a trigger for me and when i was getting into you know the whole definition of holiday trauma right as the heightened emotional and psychological distress that can result from recurring sensory elements they were talking about how some of it is things such as songs or smells or decorations, right? Or the presence of specific family members during the holiday season as a trigger for holiday Mm -hmm. trauma. And I remember I have a family member who they've had like different traumatic experiences, but one of their experiences had to do with a certain song. And Mm -hmm. at every family gathering, they wanted someone to sing this song. Well, the person never said, until you know later on that that song was a, a trigger for them, and so I kept thinking. And this is like recently, I kept thinking to myself that song was sung at every family event, family reunions, um, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and I can imagine because at the time the child the uh, person was a child, I cannot imagine how many times this person was triggered at every family event because of, of a specific song that they didn't even know, they knew that it was a trigger for them. You know, I think they're more um, well-versed in, in trauma now and knowing that what their triggers are. But then, of course, they were a child that couldn't necessarily speak about it, and we didn't know, you know, to talk about those things. But think about what the holidays or what family gatherings mean to that person because their trigger was done over and over and over again at every holiday event, and they weren't old enough or or, um, well versed enough to be able to say hey I can't I can't be around if y'all are going to continue to ask people to sing this song or for Mm -hmm. this song to be there at a holiday event and that is taking away their power and so I think it's so empowering to be able to not only speak your truth and identify your trigger but to let your family members know like listen this particular Thing is a trigger for me and i need for us to be under to for us to understand that this is off limits during family events so that our family events can go smoothly without conflicts yeah. you know what i mean
1: yeah and it's about respecting what that other person has gone through mm-hmm. you know I, I never really considered it but we don't not that we don't remember the exact events, but the surrounding things we take in too. Mm-hmm. Like I can remember when I'm trying to remember something, a quote that I heard, or something uh, I read, I start to remember where I was driving when I heard it. Mm-hmm. I start to remember, you know, even the very turns in the very spot, spot on the road. I can connect that to whatever it is I'm trying to remember. So, if a certain song is playing, when a person experiences trauma, uh, a a TV show could have been on it, whatever it is, it now takes them back to that event just from hearing it. Because Mm -hmm. everything is tied to that sensory, sensory response because you heard it or you saw it now everything is tied to it so once you experience it again you go back to that moment and we got to understand these things and respect these things and probably the saddest thing is people don't really understand things to this level and so you have a lot of things that are perpetuated in families because people won't get this type of understanding.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So how do you cope with managing family triggers? If you have a trigger um, that either you bring to the situation or other members of your family has, how do you cope with managing those things um, during the holiday season? And so these things can consist of. For one, setting boundaries and then maintaining them to protect your emotional well-being and the emotional well-being of those in your presence. Because if you go to 10, if you get into fight or flight, then it's going to affect the whole environment, right? It's gonna affect the family dynamics, especially in in a family gathering. And so making sure that you protect your emotional well-being by setting those boundaries and identifying what your traumas and what your triggers are. Maybe not necessarily your trauma because some people are not there yet. Some people cannot say, or state what their actual trauma is because they haven't gotten to a place where um, they feel like it will be received you know what I mean yeah but but sometimes you don't even have to go into detail of the trauma. But as long as you set your boundary and, and let people know this is a trigger for me. And so I would I would ask that you respect that and make sure that my emotional well-being is taken care of during our holiday, you know, gatherings and doing those things. And also preparing assertive responses to anticipated questions. I know a lot of times people are like, What you got going on? Or what are you doing? What are your kids doing? What are your is your husband? Especially if you're you and your husband are not in a good place at that time and now everyone wants to know what you and your husband have going on and so anticipating you know the questions that you feel like will bring up those feelings and those traumas just prepare an assertive response. be ready to come back. I know for for me, Holidays was difficult a lot of times before people knew about our infertility journeys because people would always be like, "When y'all gonna have kids? Oh, what y'all waiting yeah. on? Like y'all always in the skies, y'all always in the streets, mm-hmm. y'all always out. You're always vacationing and and buying things, but y'all don't have kids. What are y'all waiting on?" And so I started preparing my responses up front and saying, "I'm waiting on Jesus." Right. Like, what what you gonna say to that? Right. When Jesus says time, then we gonna have kids. Yeah. Because it became. Like, where I was so stressed about, okay, we got to go to this, we got to go to that, people are going to ask me where mm-hmm. our kids are, or there's new babies in the family, and they're going to be like, when you going to have one of those types of things? But once I took back my power, when I was mm-hmm. like, "Like this is how I'm coming, you know, yeah, then it kind of took the, the stress off of me, because I was like, somebody else asked me that. Yeah,
1: and even okay. people can be saying it out of concern, they gen- genuine concern, and they could be so overbearing that it puts more stress on you, and you got to yes. be able to you got to be able to communicate and say, "Listen, no, please don't. Mm-hmm. That's that's enough. That's that's let's just stop that. Let's not even talk about that. Or there's another thing that you can do. If you know this is something that could potentially come up, go to everybody and present your issue as a question of, "I'm asking for advice." People always love to lend their advice, mm-hmm. but you just go and you say, you know what, hey, y'all, I'm dealing with something, and I want to get y'all thoughts about it. And you just present it, or you can be preemptive and get with a counselor before you go to mm-hmm. the, the Thanksgiving or whatever. I don't know if yeah. I'm Seek- jumping ahead of you, but seeking but, that
0: professional support. Yes,
1: yeah. yeah, go to them and just kind of present to them what you think Thanksgiving is going to mm-hmm. be like. Get their expert opinion on, okay, this happens. This is what you do. So in your mind, and this is a great power that we have as human beings, we have this thing called an imagination. Mm -hmm. And people who know how to use their imagination are people who tend to live life at a higher level. But you can go to a place before you actually go there. Mm -hmm. You can actually go and experience and kind of see it. You can go to Thanksgiving before you actually go to Thanksgiving. Imagine yourself with that auntie that That's tends to first. go there, that auntie that knows. Imagine if she said this, how do I act? How do I react? Mm-hmm. Because if it actually happens, it's not the first time it's happened because it happened in your mind first. Yes. Athletes do this all the time. They visualize before they execute. So, this is something that you can you can do as well. But definitely be preemptive and and get with a professional before you go and sit with family.
0: Right, because mental health professionals, they can guide families through those deep-rooted issues, right? So they can give you the tools and strategies going into Thanksgiving, going into uh, Christmas, and help you facilitate those discussions and then provide those strategies for healing. Because they even, you know, they can help you or your family members explore your shared history and then its impacts on the dynamics of the family, which can also be an activity that can be done during Thanksgiving, right? Having those therapeutic activities where y'all engage in, you know, I don't know, art therapy, music therapy, group meditations and those types of things during the holidays where you're talking about, you know, Remembering or mindfulness, remembering the good times of the family and, and bring up those things. And some difficult conversations may come about it because y'all are now getting into a place where y'all being relational, right? right. And you're, you're starting these discussions and having these open communications. But seeking professional support, they will help you guide um, the conversations and to help provide you with the strategies to kind of to deal with those deep-seated or those deep-rooted issues within the families. And so, like what Derek said, making sure that you... Um, use professional support before going into these these um, holiday spaces with your families. And then planning these activities that are separate from the family to b- provide you with personal time and self-care before going. A lot of times you gotta kind of sigh and get yourself together before you go right. and mentally prepare yourself right. to be around people. Um, I have a friend who was like, my family is just so fake like they are so fake and everything is so fake when we get together and I just can't do it because I don't do fake well you know everybody's pretending to live a life you know to pretending to live a certain lifestyle or pretending to be happy and they're miserable and all of these things and she's like I have to get myself together before I even go and I was like what and she's like I just I take a self-care day like I go get a massage I go to the spa and these things because I have to prepare my mind and body before going into my family which is a trigger for her because she doesn't Mm -hmm. like fakeness right fake being fake is a trigger for her um but but i get that right you have to make sure you plan these self-care activities before and after so that you can decompress when leaving from family because i hate to say it but not all family gatherings are rainbows and sunshine no which is extremely sad because i don't think that is the the um purpose of family right Right. family is for community for you to thrive and heal you heal and like you say you heal and thrive in community and so i think that's what family is supposed to be but because of the unspoken intergenerational trauma because of the events that happen and are hid in families that are not talked about all of these things create um, family gatherings and holidays as a stressful event where you need yeah. to self-care before and decompress after. And I think that's sad, but what is going what are we going to do about it to make sure that that's not our families, right? Right. To our listeners, making sure that your family gatherings are not a source of stress for you, but a source of healing. And that's what we want for our listeners, for family gatherings to be a source of healing, a source of open communication where everybody understands everyone's heart and everyone's experiences and their triggers. And they make sure that they provide a safe space for each family member to be able to heal and thrive in. And I think making sure that you're planning these these ac- separate activities beforehand and afterhand what will, will help. And then planning activities with the family to foster positive bonding experience I'm not saying have an itinerary for Thanksgiving or have an (laughs) itinerary for Christmas but what I'm saying is making sure that all of the things that are happening create positive bonding experiences memories that you can Mm. look back on like when you were younger and you and your cousins had y'all little sleeping bags and your quilts on grandmama's floor and y'all all slept in the same room and just created these bonding experiences and these memories we need to get back to those types of things
1: yeah I never had that. I thought about it. I never had that. We never had, I never had the big mama, grandmama experience. Mm-hmm. Where all the cousins get together and, you know, I never had that. Yeah, I did, I've had great friends though. I will mm-hmm. say that I've had great friends.
0: And friends are the family members that you oh, got to choose.
1: Man. Yeah, because I'm glad you said that. Everybody's heard this, this adage, blood is thicker than water. Mm-hmm. And we, we take that to mean you know family over everything. The real quote the true quote says the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. That's the true quote which says the, the bonds that we choose are stronger than the ones that we're born with.
0: I absolutely believe that.
1: And so although this person may be in your family you may be closer to somebody who you know it's a is a good friend and there's a there's a, a proverb and it says like when you're going through something it says better is a friend who is near than a brother that is far off mm-hmm. and you listen to that and you think it might be about proximity but it's not it's actually about the person that you are more, more closely related to you got more in common with that you have more understanding with because somebody could be your your blood brother and y'all could be so different and you yes. just don't have that that vibe. Not to say that you avoid them because you know they are your family, but as far as your burden bearing and all of this type of thing, the people who are there for you and support you, sometimes, a lot of times, it may come from people outside of your family. Mm-hmm. And you just have to recognize, that. and then just accept the fact, people crazy, family crazy. Let's, <laughs> let's resolve that. <laughs> family is crazy, people are crazy. And just kind of start there. Just understand there may, may be some things you have to deal with from time to time. But have a plan.
0: Have a plan. And so for our listeners, I want to tell you some signs of family trauma. So I know a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't experience trauma. My family doesn't have trauma. But remember, trauma is not a specific event. It's how you experience something. And so there may be so many hidden traumas in your in your family or intergenerational trauma that's housed in your body, in your mind, in your behavior that is passed down from your grandmother or your great grandmother that no one talked about. And so now you're dealing with something and you don't understand why you're dealing with it or why your family is dealing with it. It's because it's unspoken. And so you have to be able to recognize the signs of that thing and then go to the people in your family and try to identify what it is that you need healing from or just the experiences that you're going through. And so some signs of family trauma are things like recurring conflicts. Like you notice that your aunts are always getting into it, but you don't understand why, right? Recurring conflicts are a deep sign of family trauma, um, emotional distance where there's their family members who don't ever want to be around. You got to ask questions. That's when you become curious. Why is it that they never want to come around when there's family, um, events and family gatherings? So if they're emotionally distancing or even physically distancing from the family, there's trauma there. And so you need to dive into that, get deep, do a deep dive and try to figure out why is this happening? or if there's patterns of substance abuse or just general atmosphere tension when the person is around or general unease when a person is there, there's trauma there. And so try to be curious and figure out what is going on or what's happened to this person where there's always this tension. There's always this disease in the, in the family or in the space that we're in when this person is around. And then when you recognize these signs that's the crucial step towards healing, because that's when you can put a label to it or put a, a stamp on it and identify where the healing needs to start taking place at. And then having those open discussions and that open communication about those things that are causing them. And once particular one, especially in children, if there is a family member that is around and when they're around, a child gets uneasy, you know or they they're not comfortable and they kind of either verbally express their their comfort level when the person is around or just you know a shift in their behavior when they you've got to look into that because yeah. there's trauma there and yeah. you have to realize why does my child you know move differently when this person is around because that can create years of trauma when family gatherings happen, where when they become a, a teenager or an adult and can make decisions, they're not going to come around because no one recognized the signs of trauma in the family and no one did anything and stepped up for them and no one protected them and provided the safe space for them. And so making sure that you are able to identify these signs of family trauma and then do something about it so that healing can begin.
1: And, and let me say this, and it may not be popular with people, but if you are the matriarch or the patriarch in a family, sometimes you gotta be the heavy. Yes. And when I say be the heavy, that, there's another proverb that talks about the eyes of a king. When he goes, when he looks about, just his look can keep down foolishness. Mm -hmm. And if you're that matriarch or that patriarch and you know you're the heavy in the family, use that to create that safe space. Let people know, listen, we are not having this, we're not gonna have that, and stand on that. And because of where you sit, you never know who you could be helping by saying, Listen, we're not gonna be doing this, we're not gonna be doing that. We're gonna sit here, we're gonna have a good time, you know, and listen, if you if you start up, you got to go. Or we're gonna sit and have a conversation or something. But that tends to be in a family there tends to be somebody matriarch patriarch somebody who who can kind of say all right yeah we not we not going to do this mm-hmm. because sometimes people just need to know that they there is a protection there some yes. kind of way and and if you have to be that person sometimes you just got to be that person
0: absolutely so that's what I, I just I wanted to come on real quick and, and talk about this holiday trauma and, and just family members, you know, and, and how to react in a, from a space of healing and not react with anger or sadness to a particular holiday tradition or event. Or even experience flashbacks to traumatic past holiday experiences when you're trying to, to spend time with family during the holiday season because you know that there's just an uneasiness there. And so I want us to come on just real quick and talk about um, healing before you holiday. And before I get to the Through the Eyes of Trauma takeaways, uh, Derek, is there any last words that you want to leave with our listeners?
1: Listen, I know it's, you know, a lot of people like to put the fun and dysfunction and i've seen little comedy skits on social media where you have that that one person is at a family gathering and they pick on somebody and all of a sudden the person starts calling out everybody's mess you know we've seen it on movies where mm-hmm. you know somebody oh so we want to talk about this huh and now they start calling out everything that nobody wants to talk about it may yeah it, it's it may make for good comedy on social media on tv but there is real things, real feelings, real hurts attached to yes. a lot of these things. If we're going to address things, let's be careful about how we do it, let's be mindful, but let's also do things in love. And if it doesn't seem like the time or the place, do not go there, mm. do not go there. Have social awareness, even with your family, about how you deal with situations. If if nobody's going there, if that doesn't seem like the time or the place, m- make it another appointment to do it some other time. But let people have the time that they you know typically want to have and eat your turkey and watch your football and you know play your spades, whatever you got to do. But just try to have a good time.
0: I love that. Thank you. And with that, I'll leave you with the through the eyes of trauma takeaways. Number one, heal before you holiday. Prioritize healing from family trauma before engaging in holiday gatherings. Number two, have proactive communication. Open, honest, and proactive communication can pave the way for a family healing during your family gathering. Number three, seek professional guidance. Mental health professionals play a crucial role in guiding families through trauma recovery. Number four, trauma trigger awareness, identify and prepare for trauma triggers, and it can help you and other individuals in your family manage your emotional responses. And number five, heal first, educate always healing should be the foundation for lasting family growth and family learning and healing. Thank you so much, Derek, for coming on again with us on this Through the Eyes of Trauma episode. I really appreciate you being here.
1: Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it as always.
0: And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you have a happy Thanksgiving, a happy holiday season. And we'll see you after the holiday season, after Thanksgiving.